thinking. A couple of days of this, and he gets to grabbing people, just as they're going about their business, grabbing them and insisting that they needed to change their lives. Poor Sarah of the blog nearly had a heart attack after her first encounter with him. So each day he gets a little bit bolder, a little bit louder, comes a little bit closer into town. And at first, people sort of wrote him off. Okay, John, uh-huh, sure. We'll be sure to change our lives. Yep, God's kingdom is here. Mm-hmm, yep. Okay. But then, we start to wonder. Hey, wait a minute. This is like what the prophet Isaiah was saying, sort of. Like, we've been waiting a long time for this voice, this voice from the wilderness. But John? Uh, I mean, Isaiah told us this voice would tell us when God was coming back, bringing comfort and rescue, a time of hope and forgiveness and healing. So then we kind of start whispering to one another. I mean, I know it's John, but he's saying the time is now. So then people start to get a bit freaked out. Oh, man, what if he's right? What if God is coming? What if, what if God is here? Well, I'm not ready. So then they start listening to him, gathering all around down by the river and start, well, getting ready, ready to really change their lives, ready to clear away the old, the bad, the ugly, and begin again on the right path. And man, once, start, start, once things started to flow, wow, the people just came and came in droves to the river. They were coming from all around, and they came to get ready. They came for change. They came for baptism. And John was plunging them into the water of the Jordan, and they were coming out like eager, ready for God. And let me tell you, it was just chaos down there. Men, women, children, animals, shouts, laughter, cries, the braying of donkeys, the creaking of heart, carts, the smell of fire and food simmering away on the beach. It was a wild and unruly scene, a cacophony of sound, but it was joyful. Then, Along come the Pharisees and Sadducees, and everyone sort of backs up. What are they going to do? Shut it down? Are they going to arrest him? No. Turns out they were there to be baptized too. So they get down to the lakeshore, and John sees them, and he stops. And the look in his eyes changes like to steel. And his face begins to contort in anger, and he just explodes at them, screaming, You brood of snakes! How dare you slither down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skins is going to make any difference? It is your life that must change, not your skin. And then he turns to all of us, and says, I'm baptizing you here in the river 
turning your old life in for a kingdom of God life. But the real action comes next. The main character of this story, compared to him, I'm nobody. He will ignite the kingdom life within you. He will ignite a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. And then he looked up, and he raised his arms up like this. And we all turned to follow his gaze to a man walking from the direction of Galilee. Is this him? We stood in silence as he walked towards the river's edge and asked John to baptize him. John looked just as shocked as we did. The fire had drained from his face. His whole person softened and he stood mouth agape, just staring at him. And slowly, his head began to shake side to side. No. No, I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work of putting things right through all these centuries is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. And in that moment, when he was underwater, it was like time stopped. No one took a breath. The hairs on my arms stood straight up, and it was complete Silence. And as John brought him up out of the water, it was like the veil between heaven and earth was pulled away, like we were in heaven, but on earth. And then all of a sudden, like fire, like a dove, like, I don't know, like the Spirit of God came from all around and landed on this man. And then booming into the silence came a clap of thunder from all sides of voice. This is my son, marked and chosen by my love. And then just like that, we began to breathe once again. We heard the sounds of the birds, the braying of the donkeys, the children. It was all there once more. And the man just walked out of the river, past us all, and out into the wilderness. Good story, right? Many of you know the other church I serve is 
Weird Church in Cumberland. And at Weird Church this month, our focus is on the theme, Resting in the Moment. And at our discussion group on Tuesday, we collectively agreed that mindfulness, being present in the moment, was a relinquishment over regret of the past and a letting go of anxieties for the future. And that being present was, in fact, desirable, though tremendously challenging. Not only because we exist in a culture that demands we keep on moving, we keep on moving, we're striving for more, we're getting more, we're doing more, we're productive, we're getting more, 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 more. But because resting in the moment, really being present in each moment, brings us face to face with ourselves, with God. There is nothing to distract us. There is no to-do, there is no news story, there is no gossip to be told. This is, of course, both beautiful and terrifying. Some of us have spent a good long while not being willing or able to see ourselves clearly. This is the moment that John spoke into all those years ago. It had been generations since Isaiah had told of the coming of the Messiah, the one who would usher in God's kingdom on earth. Generations. Generations of get ready any day now. Generations of waiting and nothing. Perhaps after a bit, these preparations, this readiness seemed a little less urgent. And along with that softening of urgency, maybe like us, the folks hearing John's words from the wilderness had been busy and stubborn, maybe reluctant or even scared to do that important work of looking at the ways our lives had gotten off track, sharing about it with God and one another and being ready to move forward in a new way. Their urgency was maybe diminished. Maybe our urgency is diminished. And at the risk of sounding crazy, let me tell you, the kingdom of God is here, my friends. God is present in this moment. God is present in each moment. Are we ready? John called for folks to repent, to confess their sins, not as an exercise in shame and humiliation, but that they would reject the political and social commitments that kept them from living their lives as the people of God. John makes this same call to us today. And we have this example, a template from John and Jesus on how to recognize the presence of God and enter fully into it. We first share our sins, we confess, we recognize, we acknowledge all in ourselves that is objectionable. We look at our part in our past hurts 
and harms, and we take responsibility. We take ownership, not because God wants us groveling, knees bleeding at God's feet, because it is God's greatest desire to release us from the bonds of our own shame, that fear from the past that weighs us down and keeps us separated. Every time we turn toward God with humility, we discover that God has already turned to us. That is the first part of what John and Jesus taught us, acknowledging and offering to God our past and present brokenness. The next teaching is about offering God our future. On our own, we fret. We fret and we fret about what is to come. War, climate change, food, money, family, a hundred things. But God's got this. As we plunge into the water, we are released from the past, and as we emerge, we are placing our hope in God. This scene of Jesus' baptism is, in all four Gospels, in all four accounts of Jesus' life, the start of his ministry. It is the place of shift for his life, and it is the place of shift for our lives, a release from a destructive way of being and an aligning or a realigning with God's will for us. Baptism marks a fork in the road where one path is chosen and another path is rejected. An acknowledgement of the love God is already heaping on us. It is our surrender to God's way, a way that is not merely individual moral conduct, but rather a turn towards relationships restored, deep healing, and a love beyond our own understanding. It is a trust that there is something much bigger and more beautiful going on than we can even imagine. So the act of baptism, or the remembrance of our baptism, is a releasing of the past and an embracing of God's hope for the future, And it is also a claiming of our identity as beloved and precious children of God. I wish I could tell you that as the heavenly hand signed our adoption papers, our suffering ends, our questions answered, bliss from the moment on. But it doesn't work that way. Because, friends, the story isn't over yet. We are a part of the story. We are a part of this story that started long before Jesus, that only makes sense with Jesus, and a story that continues as we live our lives as disciples of Jesus. It is in the act of baptism that we honor and recognize what God has already done. God has named claimed and called us. God has replaced every title we have ever borne with the only one that matters, child of God. May we proudly claim it. May we humbly wear it. May we let our very lives be driven by it.
Amen.